We're on week four of our series, The Kingdom of God. It's been a pretty, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed this series. Like, it's one of those, um, I feel like I'm, I'm learning something new every single week. I, I would love to keep rolling with it, but I, I, I think this is, we're going to land the plane today. Uh, and so there's, uh, you can go back, and we've, we've been on quite the journey the last four weeks but our, our theme verse has been Matthew 18, and we're, we're reading out of the message, so it's a paraphrased version. But it talks about the kingdom of God. The disciples were interested in the kingdom of God. Everybody, when Jesus was walking the earth, I don't think there was a more um, sought-after subject than the kingdom of God. Because the announcement that they made was that when you know, Jesus was coming, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So everybody's waiting on this kingdom. And then Jesus, he, he comes to fruition at the age of 30, his ministry begins, and he's talking about the kingdom. Over a hundred different parables, sermons, conversations, just in the, the four gospels are around the kingdom. And, 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 and reading through, I, wanted, I went and read all of them because I try to get a, a, like a, as much of an understanding of the topic when we, when we jump into a study like this. But I, I think that this, let's read this, this story, our, our theme verse, because I think there's a lot more here that we've yet to dig down and find. And, and Matthew writes, at about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's going to get the highest rank in God's kingdom? And for an answer, Jesus didn't reply. He called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room. And he says, I'm telling you once and for all, unless you return to the square one and start over like children, you're not even going to look at the kingdom, let alone get into the kingdom. So whoever becomes simple and elemental again like this child will rank high in God's kingdom. Incredible. And so Matthew 10, that's been our, been our theme verse. Matthew 18, there's a few things. Matthew talks quite a bit about the kingdom. And, and we're going to end our, our series today in Matthew. Because in Matthew 13, there's, there's really the most verses that talk about the kingdom of God that I could find in all of the Bible. And just in the book of Matthew, he, he mentions the kingdom of heaven 32 times. And so it's interesting how much Matthew talks about the kingdom. In, in uh, Matthew 13, he mentions it eight times. And, and it, Jesus has given us seven parables about what it actually looks like and what it is. And it's interesting to me, you know, I, I, I didn't know, honestly, if there was a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It, it, we see that over and over and over, the kingdom of God. That's the name of our series. It's, you know, it's the title of our series. And Matthew seems to use, he uses a different word. He wasn't calling it the kingdom of God, he was calling it the kingdom of heaven. And so every theologian that I could find that wrote about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven didn't really say that there was a difference there. You know, they basically said it's, you could use them one in the same. There's a guy named Dallas Willard. Uh, I really, he's, a friend of mine gave me his, one of his books a couple years ago called The Divine Conspiracy. And he writes about this exact subject and he says there's a big difference. And in his own words, he says one of the greatest factors that, he, that limits faith, he says, is, is, is our perspective of heaven in space, like, like, the, like space. And I'm thinking, that's interesting, because right now I have a, my son, he loves space. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, there's, I don't think there's ever been more 
um, more interest around space than there is right now in the history of, of, of like existence. I mean, we, we have a, a rover on Mars that's, we're flying drones on Mars, y'all. Have you heard about that? Uh, I mean, there's people living in space now, basically 24 seven. There's talks about, you know, putting a base on the moon. I mean, it's a wild, I mean, it's exciting to me that we are, we're that close. I mean, there's a plan to, civil, like, to, to not only get to Mars, but to, to um, you know, put a base there. Like, it's, it's, it's incredible. And when we think of the word heaven, I think that we, for me, when I hear that word or I read that word, I think about a place that I can't go. You know, it, it's like space. My, my son really wants to go to space. I don't want to go, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm just, you know, it's cool. I'll eat the astronaut ice cream. You know, that was one of my favorite things, the dehydrated food, I'll eat that. You know, that's about as close to a spaceship as I'm going to get. Uh, I applied at NASA, and I actually got a job there. Um, I, they accepted me. I was going to mow the yards around the rocket ships where they shoot them off, and, um, but I didn't take it. You know, I figured I'd do something else with my life. But what do we think about when we think of space, when we think of heaven? You know, we, we think about a place that we can't go and we can't get to, and if we do go there, it's going to take a journey. It's the final frontier. You know, there's so much interest around space right now. But in, in, in Matthew, hidden in this, this, this gospel, in this little word that he uses 32 times, there's some treasure in there. The, the kingdom of heaven. And according to da Dallas Willard, which I think is a pretty, I think we can take his word for it, that, that word heaven is not a real good translation to what the actual Hebrew word means, or, or I'm sorry, Greek word. That, you know, they, the translators, that the, they used, you know, a few different times they would, they would use that same word heaven and they would translate it as um, the atmosphere or as space or the heavens, like actually where the rocket ships go. But the best translation of, of that word heaven is not somewhere we can't go, but it's actually the air. And so when Jesus is explaining these parables in Matthew 13 that we're going to look at today, you can almost basically remove heaven and, and replace it with the kingdom of thin air, the kingdom of now. When we think of heaven, we think of afterlife. I mean, every one of us, we think of afterlife. We think it's, a, you know, it's like the kind of the Wizard of Oz thing. Somewhere down the yellow brick road, there's a better life, and, and there's going to be no pain and no more suffering, and I believe all that. But when Jesus is explaining this and he's talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about a kingdom that's coming, but he's, he's introducing this new world to everyone he's interacting with, that the kingdom is here. It's like right here. It's right now. And they're waiting on it to come, you know, out of the clouds, and they're waiting on a, a, a position and a role in this kingdom. And Jesus keeps taking them back to this simple matter of, he's like, you're not even going to see the kingdom if you're looking for it in 20 years from now. He's saying it's, it's, it's right in front of you. And the only way to see it, it's amazing. He uses parables. He uses, you know, the, the illustration. And in, in just in Matthew 13, there's seven parables. It's like 52 verses that explain these seven parables. Every single one of them Jesus starts off with, the kingdom of heaven is like seven times in a row. So the kingdom, of th the kingdom of now is like, and he uses things like the good seed that a farmer went out and put in his field, and then a, a, the enemy came and planted tares next to it. He talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed on the planet, but it produces the largest tree. And, and, and so he talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. 
and you put it in bread, and it's what causes bread to, to rise and to grow. And, and he uses all these illustrations, and, and I think he uses parables. The best way I've heard it explained is that it's a way of explaining something to us that maybe you, you can't just define it. You can't just define, you know, I think logic, our brains, as we get older, we like things defined. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, want it, we want it just black and white, make it simple, write it down, here's a rule, you know, like, but, but Jesus is circling back here. He says there's this element of mystery within this kingdom, right? And this, to see it and to experience it, you've got to approach it like a child approaches it. You've got you to gotta be willing to stretch your faith, willing to not trust your, just your, your logic and your mind all the time. To, to, to be willing to dream, to be, to, to, you know, with children, I think one of the things that marks them is that they have this sense of wonder, right? Like they're always wanting to, to explore, they're wanting to go on an adventure, and, and I think what, what Jesus is showing us here is like, if you want to enter in the kingdom, you want to experience it now, you can't lose that. And I feel like what religion does in a lot of aspects is it puts God in a box and defines it. And says, this is where God lives, and he doesn't live outside of this box. And then Jesus came and said, here's your box, and God's nowhere in it. <laughs> you know, right? Like he, he said, I know that this is the way you've approached God your whole life, but I want to show you something new. He would say things like, you've heard it said, but I tell you. And, and he, he introduces this new kingdom that's here and it's now, that we have access to. It's powerful. And in Matthew 13, he, he tells those disciples, and then he says, he gives those parables, and he, the disciples are like, Jesus, why are you talking in parables? Can't you just, like, tell us how, to, how do we get into the kingdom? Is there a, a key? Is there, a, like, you know, the lion, witch, and the wardrobe? Is there a little wardrobe in the corner somewhere at the Vatican? You know, like, we can go in and experience his kingdom and come in. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, it, it's, it's, I, have to, I have to speak in parables because we're trying to explain a heavenly kingdom in, a, in an earthly world. And he's like, I've got to use these, these parables. And he says, the power of these parables, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, have been given to you through these parables powerful incredible and so it's here and it's and it's and it's now and in these parables you know I, I wanted to try to find a few things that they all had in common there's seven of them I don't want to read them all there's 52 verses if you have time this week Matthew 13 check it out you know there's the first 50 verses of Matthew 13 are nothing but these seven parables but the first thing that, that I've noticed that you know looking for commonality in these seven parables is that the kingdom of heaven, most of the time, when Jesus is explaining it, it's leaven and bread, right? It's a treasure in a field. It's, it's, it's pearls. It, it, a merchant went out to search for treasure, and he found these pearls of great value. And so all these parables, were trying to, to find the commonality in them, the first thing that I, I started to see is that the kingdom of heaven is like right in front of us, but you can't see it. <laughs> it's hidden. And I think, you know, and the way that, he, that God hides things is a little different. My, I keep talking about my son. It's all I got, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's every story. I can't tell a lot of stories now. I can tell stories about him. He turned five today. You know, so it's a big day. I, I, I love him so much. One of the things I always, I, I mean, he has the same answer every time. You know, I'll ask him, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? The same answer every time. 
I don't want to grow up. And I'm like, that's a great answer. I need to stop putting pressure on him. You know what I'm saying? Let him be a, let him be a kid. And, and um, last weekend, we were, we were riding bikes. He got a bike for his birthday. So he's burning up the streets, you know what I'm saying, running the roads. And he loves to feed the ducks. There's this pond by our house, and we were going to feed the ducks. And on the way there, he picked up one of his buddies. She's, I think she's four, little Ruby. And they look like brothers and sisters. They look like they could be twins. And we get out, we get to the pond, and, and inside of my bike, there was some Easter eggs in there that I, that I guess he put in there. I got this little case on my bike. And, um, and so he wanted me to hide them him and, for him and Ruby. And so we, we played this game. We went to feed the ducks, but what we ended up playing was they would count, and I would take these eggs out, and I would go hide them around the pond. And, you know, every time I would hide them a different spot and a little bit hider, you know, a little bit harder and, you know, trying to help, you know, change it up a little bit for them. But the point is, I think, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to these, these, these gifts, this treasure that God has put in front of us that's hidden, it is hidden so that it could be found. You know, it's not hidden so that we could never come across it again, right? I think there's a difference between hiding something in faith and hiding something in fear. When I was hiding those eggs for my son and, 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 and Ruby, his friend, I was hiding them in places where I knew that, you know, it was out of sight. But if they looked hard enough, right, like, like, I mean, when you hide something in fear, you've got it in a safe. You want to use blockchain to protect it, right? right? You've got all this stuff because there's a bunch of people out there trying to get it from you. And so you want to put it in a safe, and then you want to bury it, and then you want to bury it again, and then you want to plant a tree over it, you know, because you're scared. You're hiding it in fear. But, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to these treasures that God has for all of us, he hides them in places where he knows we can find them. He puts it in places where, you know, in a field, right? It's like right in front of us and what we do every single day that maybe we don't realize it's there, like right beneath the surface. And he talks about this kingdom that exists that's here and it's now, but there's, there's this level of it that we can't understand and we can't quite see. And I think it's one of the main ways that God shows us that he loves us. And if you look back over your life, I think you can, you can find times where things just happened for you, right? They just appeared out of thin air. You'd been praying for it. You'd been wishing for it, believing for it, asking everybody, you know, I mean, and it came right down to the moment. And then all of a sudden it just, it worked out. And I think when it comes to these, this, like this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven that, that we're called to pray for and to search for and to seek for, Sometimes it can be hidden in plain sight. I mean, right in front of us. And it, and it takes a little nudging. I think it takes a little bit of, I don't know, childlike faith. Being willing to look where we haven't looked before. Being willing to believe again when we've believed and believed and believed. Being willing just to, to, just to give it another shot, another shot, right? Turn that stone over one more time. Give it one more try. Because in the, I think in the grand scheme of things, if this all comes down to God and God is love and God loves his children, love has to be expressed. Love is not an idea, right? We want it to be. We, our love is not an emotion. Like, you know, I've heard it said a lot. I, we, I fell out of love like it was a wagon. I was driving on the Oregon Trail and then boom, hit a bump, just fell out of it. it you know, like, no, it's, it's, an, it's a decision and it's expressed. 
has to be expressed. Love is action. Love is, is when passion and, and, and come together in the form of some type of, some type of decision. And I think when it, when it comes to this kingdom, it's, it's, there's so many things that I believe that God does to just remind us that he loves us. First John says it like this, chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everybody who, who loves comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we could live through him. Look at this, verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. We also ought to love one another. This is what I want you to see. Nobody has ever seen God. Look at this last verse. You've never even seen God, but if if you love one another, God lives in you and his love is made complete in us. I just, that was a lot. But I think it's in the simple, it's in the simple everyday things. And sometimes when we, when, when we think about miracles, we think about, you know, we, we, I came out of, out of um, you know, a, a church where I got, became a Christian. We talked about miracles, believed for miracles every week. You know, it was, it was a part of the culture. And, and, but a lot of times we, we, we put miracles on this, I don't know, like it was like it had to be something just, just amazing, right? You know, like a, a leg was regrown or, you know, like somebody got their eyes back, eyesight back. Or, you know, we like we put miracles in this category of, you know, all these big major things that just blow our mind and, and defy science. And, but if you look at your life and you look at like the real things that, 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 that build our life and make it special, even within a relationship, within a context of a, of a marriage or, or, or in just a close relationship. It's not the big things that build it, right? Like when I think about, Kate, you know, Caitlin and I are about to celebrate 13 years um, in marriage in, in, in a week and a half, pretty soon. And when I look back over my life, it's not like the big trips that built it. You know, when I think about our relationship and the closest, it's not from the trips that we had to get on a plane and go and plan for three years. I think, I'm thankful for all those. But it's the small things. It's the morning coffee. It's the reading together. It's just the being there. And I think when it comes to, to, to our relationship with God, it's, you know, the miracles, that, like, it's not so much, I mean, I know, I, I, be, I want us to have faith to believe God for the miraculous but when's the last time we, we thank God for just the miracle of life and waking up? <laughs> and my heart rhythm, my circadian rhythm is still there. You know what I'm saying? Like, heart's still beating like it should. I can, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm in my right mind. I don't know. You know, I feel like I am this morning. You know, there's been other mornings I wake up and I think, I don't know. You know, it's, but it's the small, little, bitty things that I, I think as, you know, when we're kids, everything's a miracle. Everything's amazing. A flower, like a bee, you know, like we just go outside. We're just, we're just stoked on everything all the time. Now, I'm not saying that you got to be like that all the time, but what if we try to inject that kind of childlike faith into our everyday routine? Because if God can heal a, a headache, if that's, that's just as much of a miracle as him healing cancer. And I think that's where it comes down to. There's this book called, it's, it's written by a guy named Brother, Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God. And he was a cook, and he worked in the, in the back room of a kitchen, 
and became a Christian and had this deep, deep walk with God. And nobody knew his name really until after he passed away. And he wrote this book called Practicing the Presence. And, and the way that he explained it was it's just this daily communion with God. And it's in these daily talks with God and these daily moments with God that there'll be opportunities that will just present themselves. I mean, you can chalk it up as, well, I'm, I'm hearing things, or you can chalk it up as, well, maybe I'm just being zealous, I don't know. But, but sometimes you've got to ask yourself, if, if something's got your attention, why? If, you've, if you're feeling that nudge to pray for that person, or you're feeling that nudge to maybe step outside of the boat, or, or, or I mean, as simple as just maybe being here right now, you've never been to a church. There's this drawing and it's, I really believe it's, it's, it's this invitation to experience and see and be a part of this kingdom of heaven that's alive and moving and breathing and on this planet right now. But logic, and, you know, logic can come in and try to convince us that it's just silliness. And over and over and over, that's what they said about Jesus over and over and over, that's why the Pharisees didn't listen to him because he, he spoke in parables. He did, they didn't like it. They wanted doctrine. Give us, give us black, put it in black and white. Like, why are you talking in parables, Jesus? Why are you talking in stories? Because I'm finding now that every person's experience is a little bit different. And just because God did it for me this way doesn't mean he's going to do it for you the same exact way. And when Jesus, when he healed, you know, he healed several blind people in the New Testament. Every one of them was a little bit different way. One time he just, he said, go, he spit in the ground, put mud in one dude's eyes. And one time he just spoke the word, like, like it was a little bit. And so if we try to make a doctrine and put it in a box, every time God does something, by the time we get through building the box, he's already left. And it's this willingness to... To look for, to, to, I don't know, just to keep trying, to keep believing, to, to, to keep this childlike faith in a world that requires us to grow up an adult really quick, right? I mean, just really quick. And so that's, I think, the first thing, that, 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 that there's, you know, miracles and signs and wonders, and the kingdom of heaven coming to earth is not just reserved for people who work inside of a church, I, you know, I think it's, it's actually just reserved for those who are in the marketplace. Think about this. If you look at those parables and you look at those miracles and where they happened, it was a field. It was in a store. It was while they were baking bread. You know, Jesus is he's, he's saying, you know, these, these miracles, these, this kingdom of heaven, when you find it, you're going to find it in your everyday life. You're just going to stumble upon it, I think. Like Moses was out there on the backside of the desert for years and years and years, tending to the sheep, just doing his job. And then he, who knows how many times at that bush he had walked by it. And then one day it just set on fire and started, started talking. Right? Like, I mean, it was just, but he was just doing his thing and, and living. And then all of a sudden, the, boom, like God just sh showed up out of nowhere. Elizabeth Browning said it like this, Earth is crammed with heaven every common bush of fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. I thought that was pretty good. The kingdom of heaven. It's hidden so we can find it. It's, I think God's made it simple. He's like, I just want you to, to have the faith to believe. 
even if it's just childlike faith, even if it's just so simple, it's going to be found in our everyday lives. It's going to be found on the job. It's going to be found going and coming to and from, right? I know some of you are probably tired of that drive around Garson Point Bridge, but, you know, you know maybe there, there's a miracle there somewhere. I don't know, but it's, it's found, it's, I think it's found on the way. It's the journey. It's, 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 it's being able to, to look for God and, and look for these something new, maybe in the same setting that you've seen over and over and over and over. Vincent van Gogh, probably in my mind, the greatest artist that's lived in the last thousand years. Starry night, incredible painting. But one of the things that he would do is he would paint the same scene over and over and over. And Starry Night, which is now valued as one of the, it's the most valuable painting on the planet. It's at the Met in New York. When he was painting that, he was in the second, he was on the second floor of an insane asylum that he had checked himself into. And he was looking out the window and Starry Night was overlooking, looking the town of the hospital that he was in. And he would paint it over and over and over and over and over again, a different light. And that's where we get Starry Night. This miracle, like this incredible piece of art. But what if our life is the same exact way? That the, the mundane and the boring and the everyday thing that sometimes we just, nothing new has happened here in a hundred years. Well, maybe today <laughs> the light will catch it just right. <laughs> maybe today that drive you've been making every day, right? Five days a week. Maybe today heaven will be sprinkled into earth and you'll see it and recognize it and be able to walk towards it. Maybe today that, that, that month, I mean, maybe today the thing you've been praying for for 25, 30 years could just happen. It's keeping this sense of wonder. It's keeping this sense of awe. And it's so hard to do. I mean, I really think it's so hard to do. I mean, especially when it seems like when you pray for things, especially big things like that, it's almost like you're setting yourself up for a letdown, right? I know I, I, I can find myself edging back at times from praying for miracles because I've prayed for miracles and they didn't happen, right? We've all been there. I prayed for something that I wanted so bad and I just, I mean, I believed it was... I mean, I had 17 words of prophecy over it, you know what I mean? I'd been anointed with more oil that you could fry 100 chickens, you know? Like, I knew, like, this was it. I've named it and claimed it. I blabbed it and grabbed it, declared it and wear it. I did it all, you know? Like, I, I, everything I could speak, every word, you know? Like, I mean, I, I, I under, and then it just doesn't happen or it goes a different way. But I think the goal is when we get to that place spiritually, that we're willing to just try again. And I think with kids, you know, that's one of the things, like, you know, no matter how disappointed, discouraged, we'll pick ourselves up and try again. Because who knows, this might be the, I mean, you're one prayer away from a completely different life. And I think thinking is praying, right? I've read this study where if you, if you think, it moves the vocal cords in your, in your, in your whatever that's called. Larn, is it, it starts with an L. Somebody help me. Larn, there it is, larynx. I was going to say larynx. That's something from like Dr. Seuss. I don't even know. Yeah, Lorax, right? It's in your Lorax. <laughs> oh, man. It's, 
And when we look at these parables and we, we think about the, the guy that found the treasure in the field, the merchant that found the great pearls, I've got to ask myself, how many times did that guy walk by that field? He might have worked in that field. I don't know. How many times did that merchant look at those pearls and decide, you know what, there's nothing there. But now all of a sudden there's value there. It's, it's there. It's... And I think that these parables, and then we're going we're gonna to land the plane here because I, I want to spend some time just... Is that the, the kingdom of heaven is closer than we think. I really believe that. That the kingdom of heaven is closer than we realize. And, and I think that that's the miracle of faith. Is that it, it, it builds a bridge. It, 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 not only does it build a bridge from us to God, right? But it, but it allows heaven to get to us. And I think that it's a whole lot closer. Because when we look at these parables and we look at like, you know, the, 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 the leaven that was in the bread and, and then the, the little bitty mustard seed that turned into a great tree, so much of the work that, of what was going on was underground. And it had been building up to this great miracle, right? Like that guy had walked by that field over and over and over, but then all of a sudden it was all the dots connected. Everything that was supposed to happen, happened. I've heard it said that life is like a, it's like a book, like a really good book. You don't know what's going to happen next, but the more you read, the more that it makes sense. Right? That's life. I mean, like, I mean if, if you know what's going to happen next, it's boring. Like a good book or a good mystery, right, a good novel, a good story, is it gets all the way down to the moment where it's like, I don't know how this is going to work out here. And then all of a sudden it's just... I think that's how the kingdom works. And part of my job is I want to encourage that in, in, in you. I want to encourage that in, in, in our church to believe God. To believe God. I believe that God still works miracles. I believe that. I don't say it enough, but I do. I mean, I remember praying a really broken, addicted, depressed kid and getting up and knowing I was a different person. Nobody could convince me knowing that I wasn't going to struggle with a certain things ever again. I mean, I knew that I had been set free for some things in my life. And it happened just, um, I can't even tell you. One guy was praying, let go. One guy was praying, hold on. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was down and it just, just, I just remember getting up and I knew, I knew something happened. This was not the same prayer that I'd prayed my, most of my life growing up. This was different. And there's people in this room that I could tell stories of right now that have, that have had healings in their bodies. There's people in this room that I could, I could tell you that probably five years ago, if you'd have sat down with them over coffee and said, you're going to be coming, you're going to be going to church in five years, they'd have said, you're crazy. <laughs> Just being here is a miracle. But it's closer than we think. And the thing about miracles is they all have expiration dates on this side of eternity. But I think it's God's way of showing us that he's there and he cares and he's involved. And the greatest stories that I've heard of miracles are not, the, you know, I mean, there's been the, the amazing things and people set free and people just completely changed. 
But then there's the miracles of just, of just one person very close to me, she lost her, her dad and her brother pretty, pretty quickly, in a, and it was a plane crash, and she was devastated. And um, I happened to be close to the family at the time, and, and um, I'll never forget about three weeks after that happened, she, she was telling, I was just talking to see how she was doing, and she said, every day, Nathan, I get up, I go outside, and this monarch butterfly just comes and flies and sits right in front of me. Every day. And, and it was, she said, I feel like it's Daniel. It's my, it's my brother. It's, it's like God's way of letting me know that he's with them. I thought, that's a miracle. I can't define it. But God speaks to his kids and he lets us know. And it may not be in the big flash or wonder or the, you know, it may not be in this huge show, but it might be in just the small little everyday things that we miss, that we take for granted. A butterfly is a butterfly, right? Well, it wasn't for her that week. It was her way of holding on. It was, it was her way of knowing that God was still there and walking with her and her brother was with him. I know that's a heavy story, but it's closer than we think. And death is just a doorway, right? It's not the end. It's just a doorway into that world. You're just, clo- you're just opening one door and you're going into another, and we're all going to do it. We're all going to do it. I mean, it's going to happen at one point. But there's, there's these thin moments on this side where I feel like there's just a thin veil between heaven and earth. And, and, and there's moments like that that, I, that keep us all going whether they just come out of thin air and we believe it was coincidence or we connect the dots and know that there was a loving God there the whole time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're with us. That's the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's, it's not in space, but it's right here. It's right now. It's in this moment. He said of two or three are together in your name, you're there. And so, Lord, we just pray for that, just like you instructed us to do in Matthew 6. Your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done on earth as it already is done in heaven. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our desire. Lord, we, I, I believe just one moment, just, just one glimpse, help us to see Help us to connect the dots, Lord. Help us to see the miracles maybe along the way that we've missed. Remind us of the miracles that we've forgotten about. Remind us, Lord, of your faithfulness. Remind us of your steadfastness. Remind us, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God that healed then is the God that heals now. Remind us, Lord, that we're never alone. He said you'd never leave us or forsake us. Remind us that we have a friend every moment of every day that sticks closer than a brother. Give us glimpses, Lord, into that kingdom. Lord, help us to to keep childlike faith in a world that demands us to grow up. Help us to keep that innocence, that wonder.
We just thank you, Lord. We just give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.